0: hey guys welcome
1: back to the block hash podcast episode 249 quick shout out to our sponsor swash for helping reimagine data ownership on the blockchain go check them out at swashapp.io this week we have uh two wonderful guys from scholar.io theodore and ben guys welcome to the show how are you guys doing today
0: good thanks for
1: having
2: us
0: doing well thanks for the opportunity
1: anytime it's a pleasure um Let's start off by talking a bit about what you guys have done in the past and your background. Um, Let's enlighten the audience. Tell them a bit about yourselves and how you guys got involved in this wonderful world of crypto and blockchain.
0: Sounds good. That story is more exciting, so I can go through mine first. Um, Before joining Scholar.io, I was actually working at a large medical device company called Boston Scientific. Um, there, I was running an internal innovation accelerator and incubator, basically taking ideas that needed any resourcing, networking, or even funding, uh, spinning them off and to become their own companies or products, uh, and so kind of living in that entrepreneurial space, but with the uh, corporate safety net beneath me. Um, my intro to Web3 actually started a long time ago, so it was probably about eighth grade or so. Uh, started playing around with Bitcoin and, at that time, what was the Silk Road, but when that got busted... Uh, kind of packed my stuff and left, but recently got back into the space from an investment standpoint, uh, around 2018, uh, 2019. And now I've been a builder, uh, for about six to eight months, but working on some really exciting projects and excited to see where we go from here.
2: Excellent. Perfect. And, uh, I'll keep it brief. Um, I pro- probably ramble too much about my background, but, uh, my background was in the M and A field, actually based in Europe, um, going in, uh, you know, doing acquisitions um, in every field you can imagine, renewables, family entertainment, trampoline parks, anything you can imagine. But uh, while I was over there, I actually had a a friend on the due diligence team who was after me to, you know, you've got to look at Bitcoin, you've got to look at Ethereum. Um, And at the time I was a a major protractor, um, always kind of regurgitated the old, uh, oh, it's not backed by anything, it's used by criminals. And, uh, you know, Finally, I was sick of hearing about it. dove down the rabbit hole and uh, started investing. That was late 2016. Um, Dollar cost averaged forever. Um, During the the crash of 2020, I went a bit degen with things. I sold rental properties. Um, I I mean, all my dry powder was expended. I um, started, don't do this at home, uh, but using... Cash advances on my credit cards uh, to buy Bitcoin. At, you know, thirty eight hundred Ethereum at ninety bucks, um, and thankfully that worked out. Um, if it, if the timing was different, it probably wouldn't have. But uh, twenty twenty was kind of my all in moment. Started uh, you know, advising a few projects just on uh, marketing. Started writing on Hacker Noon. Um, got on the Forbes Tech Council and then uh, Coin Telegraph Innovation Circle. And uh, in that process, came across some guys friends I know from the private equity field that were uh, looking at tokenizing their Web2 platform, which is actually what we've done here. It's called Scholarful and uh, brought in uh, Ted and Aaron because they're a lot smarter than I am to kind of really put some legs on this thing and uh, and watch it grow. And I never thought I'd be involved with something in the education field. Um, Myself, I dropped out of college, so it's a a bit, uh, you know, comical to think of but i love what we're doing we're cutting out a lot of middlemen waste and uh yeah thanks for having us
1: yeah of course um i definitely want to talk quite a bit about that today because i think it's a really interesting use case within the blockchain space that i haven't seen a whole lot of yet but i've been anticipating for a while um so let's let's talk about scholar a bit more what are you guys aiming to do more specifically
0: yeah. So maybe I can give the, the 10,000 foot overview. <clears throat> what we're doing is building a decentralized and peer-to-peer scholarship platform. Uh, so to understand what that means, you have to look at the current state of affairs, uh, in particular in scholarships. Obviously, the uh, student debt problem is mostly U.S.-centric, but unfortunately, um, we're seeing that trend grow across the globe. So while it's you know started in the U.S., that's kind of a lot of the big problems we're seeing at scale. Um, but as we kind of start to look at the, the, the layers here, we start to realize that there's a lot of waste going on. So um, in the world of education, you have a few opportunities to receive scholarships. You can receive them from uh, your university or you can receive them from kind of more so private donors. So this is just one individual person looking to sponsor a student. The area that you start to understand that, where the waste lies is actually within the academic endowments. These endowments are basically the financial arms that universities use to fund anything from uh, scholarships and financial aid all the way to uh, salaries and athletic facilities. So when we look at those, you realize that there's a lot of opportunity for for improvement. One, um, the return that these endowments are receiving uh, is roughly 5% a year. Uh, And on top of that, they take very high overhead fees. On average, that sits around 4%, um, but we've seen some endowments that take upwards of 30 so what this means is that you as a donor, you want to contribute and give back to students at your alma mater, or at a university you care about, realistically, your money is growing at about a 1% delta each year. Obviously, in uh, you know, DeFi, we realize there's a lot more um, higher yield earning opportunities, but more than anything, it's a lot more efficient, uh, just because we can automate and remove some of the overhead that these endowments face. The second part and the opportunity that we're most excited about is to make that giving process more impactful. When you make a donation to a university today, what happens is that you basically write them a check. They shake your hand, give you a tax break and say, see you next year. Um, That becomes an issue, though. Say you wanted to sponsor a particular niche of students, whether that be women in STEM, black engineers, something like that, and you earmark the funds towards it. At the end of the day, the, um, the, the endowment has the autonomy to spend that money as they please. So while you wanted to sponsor, you know, a particular niche of students, these, you know, black engineers, they could take that money and pay themselves bonuses or build an athletic facility for it. So what we've done is decentralized that entire process, made it more peer-to-peer so that, um, you know, both students and donors find a more meaningful experience. So solving those two major problems and to talk a little bit about how our platform works today at a high level. Um, We're born from a Web 2.0 platform that our company owns called Scholarful.com. The way I like to describe this to folks is kind of a dating app for scholarships, um, where in a traditional sense, you would find each of these individual scholarships, spend 30 to 40 minutes applying to them, and cross your fingers that something comes back. Um, You you repeat that however many times to find it and apply. Uh, That time racks up quickly. On Scholarful.com, what you do is fill out your profile once, and you can actually apply to scholarships in one click. So it's basically that swipe right or left for scholarships that you know may or may not fit your criteria. On the donor side, um, you know, so we save students a ton of time. On but what, as we built that platform, we realized that on the donor side, there's an opportunity to bring in Web three and DeFi elements. So on our side, the process is very simple. As a donor, come into our platform, and there's a number of ways you can give. First, we have what's called a donor advised fund. Um, this is that controlly, uh, you know. The donor is in control of the funds end-to-end. One, how they donate. So we actually have a fiat and crypto on-ramp for any asset that someone would like to bring to the table. Two, we enable them to actually choose what yield source that they'd like to partner with. Right now we have partnerships with Circle, uh, Pangolin, and a few other kind of DeFi yield opportunities. And then the last piece is that they issue scholarships of their choice. So maybe again, we talked about those particular students in need. Maybe it's a, a student uh, you know from Columbia coming to the US that they're looking to sponsor. They can uh, basically post that scholarship. Students apply to it, and what our platform does is shortlist those top candidates. So they are in control of how they donate, how the money is grown, and at the end of the day, um, what students are receiving the funds. So that's what we call a donor advice fund. And I know I've been talking. I'll kind of wrap up here quick on this Anyways. last note. The second really exciting uh, you know opportunity we have is more of a GoFundMe style, where maybe you're not super, you don't want to manage that fund end to end. You're not really concerned about <clears throat> how it's growing yield, or you're not you know, super involved in, you know, what students are receiving it, but you care about a cause. Maybe again, it's donating to, uh, you know, women in STEM. There's a community fund. So think about this kind of like a, a GoFundMe where you can contribute any amount that you'd like. You know, maybe it's not the $100,000, but it's $20 at a time. Uh, so you can kind of, as a community, contribute to one fund that pays back to students within our ecosystem. Um, and then those are voted on uh, basically like a DAO. So a few different ways of giving but at the end of the day what happens is that we cut out a lot of the uh, the middlemen in that process taking some of the overhead fees and at the end of the day make it much more peer-to-peer where the donors are actually seeing their money reach students hands because we have that you know basically blockchain is our superpower in that end to say here's the, you can see the money being traced end to end, how it was spent how it was managed and at the end of the day you know this what students lives it's impacted
1: got it so it looks like If I'm getting this straight, you have something actually pretty broad. You cover students, you cover universities, and you cover donors uh, in this funding process. Um, Let's break each one of those down because I have a bunch of questions. For donors, just starting there, how can a donor guarantee that when they participate because they want money to go to um, some specific um, objective or initiative, like, let's say, promoting the STEM area in education or promoting... Um, African American education, or Asian Pacific education, or something like that. How do they guarantee that it's going towards that um, with a decentralized platform?
0: It's a great question. So the the first thing we have in place is that all of our student profiles, um, you know, they're pretty comprehensive. So to apply for one of those more niche scholarships, you need to have obviously evidence as you fill out your student application that support that that you're actually in mm-hmm. pursuing a STEM degree, that you have X Y Z credentials that they're looking for. The other element actually happens on the distribution end. What we do instead of issuing uh, funds directly to a student wallet or kind of an address, we actually work with their academic institution and their student financial aid office. So we're not actually putting the money in the student's hands directly; we're crediting to their account, and so we can actually partner w- with these universities doing some, you know, due diligence to make sure that the the credentials of the the donor's wishes are met.
1: Got it. Um, if you're a student and How do you apply for one of these scholarships? And then how do you verify that you've successfully met the criteria for that scholarship?
0: It's a great question. So the application process is relatively straightforward. It's around a about a 30 minute process to build out your profile. Majority of it talks about your um, financial background, social background, uh, and then kind of academic goals and objectives. And as you build some of that out, um, there are additional pieces that you can provide, whether that be uh, a personal essay, video, other kind of evidentiary stuff that, um, you know, might help bolster your case. Um, We do have that. It's kind of your student profile uh, within our ecosystem. And then to apply, it's very, very simple. So, you know, you're basically recommended scholarships. So maybe I am a, you know, again, a black engineer studying STEM from a particular, you know, let's in this instance from Columbia studying in the US. So I'd be recommended Um, Scholarships that meet those criteria. So not only is it that specific niche that covers everything I am, but it would cover STEM students, international students, like all those scholarships I might apply for, um, they're recommended to me using our our platform. So at the end of the day, again, it's uh, basically the due diligence on our end as the platform and kind of provider to work with their academic institution to say, if issuing these scholarship based upon these criteria, um, here's the evidence we have. And we kind of close that loop back. The one really exciting part that really makes us hit home is that each student that receives a scholarship, we actually ask that they create a thank you video for the donor. And so again, that's another great way to kind of verify and you know, close that loop and build some really you know, moving promotional stories, for, but also you know, some fodder for the donor to feel like they're actually making an, an impact to hear directly back from the students that they're working with.
1: Is there any benefit for the donor to do it this way versus just giving the money to the university or to some third party fund? Um, Or is it mostly just more
0: convenient for them to do it this way? So the first part is that it's certainly more convenient. The second is that um, there's a number of different ways to give. So like we had mentioned before, when you donate to Mm -hmm. a traditional academic endowment, it's very transactional. You cut them a check, you get your tax break, and that's about it. You never actually see the lives that your money particularly is impacting. This way you can track your money end to end and actually see what students lives it's impact. So it's a little bit more fulfilling, more meaningful as a donor. And the second part is that we feel that it, it gives exposure to different DeFi opportunities. So majority of academic institutions, I would, don't know the exact metrics, but very, very few of them would hold any sort of digital asset in their portfolio. So this way, using our platform, they can take their money, scale it using different DeFi platforms. Uh, and the really exciting part is still receive some of those tax benefits because we do have a 501c3 that does issue tax breaks. So it's kind of their exposure to digital assets. It's a more meaningful donor experience that they can see the impact the money is making. And lastly, it still retains the you know the benefits of going through a, a traditional route.
1: Got it. Here's a kind of a tough question. I want to see how you answer it. Regarding universities, I think they're the biggest bottleneck in this issue um, in between students, donors and universities, colleges universities and colleges, they get so much government funding and financing and grants um, and student loan programs that they can kind of get away with murder in terms of how much they charge and what they do with the money. How does this, in a way, not only benefit them, but also hold them accountable to use uh, this the system through DeFi and these funds for what they're meant to be used for?
0: Ben, I've been talking a lot. I'll let you jump in, then I can bridge the color in the gaps.
2: Yeah, no. And I, th- I think right away, um, you know, right away we're targeting donors. So it's really mm-hmm. going after, you know, the backside of the money they're getting that uh, is wasted. But I think part of what we're doing too, is trying to change that narrative. We're seeing a huge shift towards uh, certificate based learning, um, web three style of learning. So actually uh, we haven't touched on it yet, but part of our, uh, backside of our protocol, um, we aim to actually educate a lot of these kids on how to not perpetuate this problem that you're talking about, because mm-hmm. uh, you hit the nail on the head when these universities, you know, the, the money is government guaranteed, too, that they can just, you know, absolutely hemorrhage from them. So um, so I guess first off, it's us educating a lot of these students coming in um, if we can get them, you know short, uh, digestible videos and part of the coursework, um, that they can do on our platform that, uh, why not to go take out a $300,000, uh, you know, student loan on something you're going to make $60,000 a year at. Um, that's one, I think number two, uh, it's going to be a slow burn, um, with us targeting donors right away, um, and changing that narrative. But, uh, definitely we've had some colleges already reach out to us and, and start to talk about this because Ted always talks about there's a lot of colleges that actually don't have endowments. There's, there's the great ones like Stanford that perform at, you know, a 20% a year, but, uh, but we've seen the, you know, the perception from colleges not be as anti uh, to digital assets as we thought. And more of it's because we've got partners like circle that can come in. It's more of an institutional field. that ESG compliant, all of that, and more of a, a backed asset. Um, it's a hot topic right now with the whole Luna capitulation lately. Um, so that's something we're dealing with constantly is explaining stable coins and you know, the the difference between algo stable coins and, and backed stable coins. But uh, Ted, I'll let you, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but
0: No, it's good. And I think you've hit on two major things. One, we're building mass with the donors, other than, you know, trying to put the pressure on academic endowments or universities in particular, Um, we're there to complement and augment the ways that their donors are giving. So one, you know, how do we start bringing, you know, responsibility and transparency? It's leading by example, by saying there is a way to do this properly. Um, And like Ben had said, it's been really interesting, the perception from universities. Some are like, this is, uh," you know, some feel it is threatening, some see it as an opportunity, especially the smaller, uh, academic institutions. And just to kind of clarify on that term, you hear university, you think your traditional four-year degree. Um, but what's the beauty of our platform is that it's very flexible and we can cater to um, two-year kind of technical learning uh, universities as well as certificate-based. You know, you can sponsor students studying a variety of, uh, of different areas, but we're, you know, one side we're democratizing access to high-performing digital assets. to these smaller universities that have access to nothing um, and so that's our way of building mass It's not taking down the Stanford, not, you know, quote unquote, taking down, but, you know, building mass with smaller universities and delivering value where they need it most and saying there's a better way of doing it. Um, so that's, you know, end to end, that's the way we're, we're taking it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Where are you guys at in your roadmap so far? Have you started building any partnerships with colleges or universities or online schools? Or is that something that's down the line? Where are you guys kind of at right now?
0: So we're definitely actively building those relationships. There's a number that are in development with a you know a few. Um, some of them are probably you know not TB announced. So stay tuned to our kind of our socials for some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing we're really excited about is sponsoring actual Web3 students. So um, you know we're trying to build mass and say here's Web3 sponsoring Web3. Then how do we bridge that world of here's Web3 source scholarships sponsoring real life students at traditional universities and a lot of that is coming. Um, There's some that are really on board um, for some of this, not only here in the U.S., but also building uh, international relations. So one that's exciting is some work in Turkey uh, with some of their technical universities to sponsor students there. Um, So no particular names I can drop at this time, but that's coming very shortly. And that's more so just kind of a PR management thing. So
1: sure. Uh, In regards to you mentioned Web3 education. Uh, when you think of web three education, I know it's such a brand new term and thing, but it's also a really important segment of where the internet's going. Um, how does that shape up in terms of just an education? Like what will people be able to do with that? How do you think that plugs into a university or scholastic curriculum or school system?
2: Yeah, I I can answer and then Ted can give his, his version. Uh, so right away, our, our core target has been actual like programming, uh, like web three developers like Morales and then there's a couple others we're talking to. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as tying into other education, I I think that's a tough question, but it's, it's something that's definitely on our radar. Um, we've got partnerships with some, uh, real world, uh, they're like, uh, Coursera, um, that actually give you, it's, it's non, uh, non-university education or non-accredited, I guess. But, uh, we're we're looking at some of that and how that ties into Web three as well. Ted, I'll let
0: you. Yeah. So give your like, like Bennett said, there's a number of online uh, kind of education sources that we've been partnering with and trying to bring scholarships to. Um, so that's basically students starting things like Solidity, React, you know, tools that are actually building the pipeline. Um, so those are a little bit more straightforward. We know what the costs are for each one of these particular ones. Students can apply to our scholarship. And we basically close the loop with whatever their online learning that they're doing. As far as where does that overlap with traditional universities, the big thing that we see is uh, the opportunity for um, one, as universities start putting this in their curriculum, we can slightly influence that just by saying, hey, there's students at university receiving Web3 scholarships and they can use that as a differentiator. But more than anything, those students that are receiving our scholarships um, also serve as evangelists for that cause. And as part of that, something that we've had asked for from a lot of our donors is also using that as a talent pipeline. And so this is one, a great way students that are applying to Web3 scholarships that have a passion and a knowledge for it. um, It's also a great opportunity for employers and people searching out for talent to you know, hey, I'll sponsor your education on um, the condition that you come work for me. So it's also closing that talent loop a little bit. So I don't think we have as much, you know, influence at a uh, curriculum level, but as far mm-hmm. as the funding and kind of future opportunities, uh, that's kind of where we are, you know, laying our flag.
1: Yeah, that kind of leads into another question I have, um, where I assume maybe you guys have already thought about this, but being able to partner with, let's say, some large companies and give them the extra funding to allow certain workers, employees to go out and get um, an extra step of education that helps them with their job at the current company um, as like an intercompany incentive, possibly.
0: And that's something we, we've explored pretty extensively. And it's interesting, a lot of these corporate giving programs exist today and, you know, traditionally donate to, uni- you know, uni- universities, of you know, four year degrees, but as a employees within their company are probably looking for the certificate style learning and so we're very flexible um, our platform is designed just for that basically as a donor you can set the criteria it doesn't have to, it can be a two-year degree four-year degree certificate based learning like it's fully on that donor to choose how they want to give and so we're really excited for scaling that down the road um, focusing again on education and on a similar vein we've had the question: Well. You know, the idea of connecting DeFi and charitable giving as a whole is a huge opportunity. Why don't you focus there first? Um, It's definitely in our in our sites, but we're excited that we have an existing platform. We have around 30,000 students uh, that have been on our platform already. And we said we can really make an impact in education first and take those lessons learned and start scaling them to talent management and other just general charitable giving causes down the road
1: where are you guys primarily launching this? Is this going to be something in the U S or internationally somewhere else? Or can anyone tap into this as a funding source, uh, wherever they live? What's, what's the end goal for that?
0: Ben, you can go.
2: Yeah. Um, so right away, the, our actual web two platform is, is U S centric, but as we, you know, broaden out into more of the web three, the program developer type scholarships, um, those will be broad based and international, but, uh, kind of the idea is to launch, uh, get TGE done with, and then look at other countries. Turkey would be one of the first ones we're going to replicate. Um, Ted mentioned we've got a lot of great partnerships there. Um, so looking, we're talking with two universities there and how we can actually deploy this there. Um, and then the plan is to, you know, replicate that in other countries as we go. And I think, uh, one thing I'm passionate about I think there's going to be a huge movement towards these certificate based you know learning that opens up the doors to everyone everywhere
0: And so I expect you know we'll be launching here in the US majority of our scholarships um, that are four or four-year degrees will be US centric but like Ben had said anything that is that two-year technical or certificate based learning um, those are kind of open access in fact our first one is going live here hopefully within the month or so in the web 3 space. Uh, our first Web three specific scholarship, and I know we're being pretty much agnostic to where they're at in the globe, as long as they're studying Web three and making an impact, that's who we want to sponsor. So the it's kind of a, a convoluted; it's all happening, uh, and honestly, our platform is very flexible from a technology standpoint. Uh, it's more of the regulatory uh, roadblocks and making sure all of those are you know clear before we start deploying internationally.
1: Got it. Um, Yeah, because if you guys were interested in doing something in Latin America, I got a number of contacts within the educational industry down here that would probably be very interested in something like this. Um, Plus, in places like this, a lot of students are interested in going into tech and going into these fields, especially Web3. They just don't have the money. They don't have the ability to get that education. Um, So I could definitely see this stuff being broadened out into emerging economies, Um, you know, whether it's, you know, in – parts of Europe or Africa, Latin America, whatnot. Um, So there's there's a lot of things you could probably do with this. It's um, I feel it's very broad in a good way. Like it covers a number of different things, everything down to the student to behind the scenes with the donors and the endowments to, you know, up front with the universities and colleges. Um, it, It brings so many ideas to mind. What about, Um, have have you guys got an idea of how many students you feel like you'll be able to help when this is, um, fully rolled out? Like how much capital do you think can be rolled in by donors to give scholarships to students? So like, are you thinking maybe in the range of uh, thousands of students in a single year or millions of students? Um, do you even have those numbers? Is that possible? What what are some of the things on top of your head?
0: Yeah, so I can give a little bit of historical context to start. So our Web 2.0 platform, Scholarful, um, had around 30,000 students that uh, are leveraging it. And I believe the volume in scholarships is around $2 million that went through it. Um, We feel that it's a great starting. And that was around, you know, in the past 18 months or so. Um, One platform that does inspire us as far as, you know, how we do our benchmarking is something called Endowment, E-N-D-A-O-M-E-N-T, which is a charitable giving platform for uh, you know, basically you can donate crypto to any 501 C3. Um, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the past year or so they've actually done around $30 million in volume. And Uh, so
2: it's about 45
0: now, 45 now. So I believe that's, you know, kind of a path that we want to follow. I think that we can scale a bit faster. Um, just knowing that we do have some of these ties in with, um, you know, universities and existing donors, that'll be a little bit easier to convert. So, um, the number of students is a little bit different just because a, you know, it could be a hundred thousand students at, you know, a thousand dollar scholarship, or it could be, you know, much fewer at a $5,000 full ride, etc. So I can't give, you know, super specific metrics there, but mm-hmm. we believe that we can move very quickly. Um, and just because of the number of ways you can give, you know, you don't have to have a hundred thousand dollars to give on our platform. You can give with, you know, it could be as much as little, much or as little as you please, uh, depending on where you want to put it. So hard to book concrete metrics. We can look at the past and I know it doesn't predict future, but, uh, you know, we're excited for the, the space. And the one thing that really sets us apart is that there's not a lot of great charitable giving opportunities in Web3 right now. You know, kind of you hear crypto, you hear Web3 and a lot of its finance, its NFTs. Um, but there's not a lot happening with some of these real world use cases where we're actually impacting real students lives and so we feel like that alone gives us a bit of traction gives us an opportunity to track some of the DGENs that have, you know, made their hay and want to get back.
2: And and just to add one thing, the nice thing, um, and Ted touched on this before, but, you know, coming in as a, as a digital asset project, you know, we're not, we're onboarding 99% non-native Web3 users. So uh, the trajectory of, you know, what we can create isn't going to be as correlated to the, total crypto market as, as a lot of other projects will have. And that's something unique that I think we've got going for us.
1: Yeah. But those job numbers are going to skyrocket over Absolutely. the next few years for sure. I mean, if you look at the the numbers for blockchain developers, since that first happened um, around the time Ethereum launched in like three, four years, it jumped to the top of the list above TensorFlow and, and AI and automation. So um, I think it's going to skyrocket very quickly. You'll be surprised probably.
2: No, absolutely. And it's it, I already saw we were looking at Google Analytics the other day, it was one of the most Google uh, term was blockchain jobs. So uh, it's uh, even during this down market, it's amazing to see, you know, kind of the, the movement to want to build in this space. So it uh, makes me very bullish.
0: We're Absolutely. excited, too, because we're not, like Ben and mentioned, we're not fighting over, you know, what is a relatively small minority, people that are Web3 competent, you know, be, that actually know how to navigate, use a wallet, et cetera. So a lot of the development and what we've been building is that you don't need to know how to manage all of that. If you can log in, manage your email, you can use our platform and still benefit and get that introduction to Web3 without the kind of technical burden that it can be to fully go degen and start understanding some of these tools.
1: Got it. Um, before we start wrapping up, tell me about a little bit more into the roadmap. What are some things people should be looking forward to that you guys are excited about? Um, How does it pan out the rest of the year?
0: Go for it, Ben. You're the leader on this one. (laughs) Okay,
2: perfect. Um, So it's looking like this month, uh, we'll actually have TGE and launching, Um, launching with uh, Dexalot Price Discovery to kind of take out a lot of the You know, craziness that AMMs can have around bots and, you know, pushing the price up and then dumping on everyone on launch. So, um, going through Dexlot, that's a three day window where um, anyone with the token, even investing contracts, can come in and uh, have pricing and uh, orders match up for three days where they don't actually execute. At the end of three days, uh, then we list. uh, So, we'll list on Dexlot and Trader Joe. Um, there's one centralized exchange we're trying to get wrapped up uh, before that but it's uh it's it's tight but um so that's that's the launch and then and then from there uh you know launch week we're already going to have some scholarships we're announcing uh with a couple of donors that came on early and uh, identified some you know some of the best and brightest students you can imagine so um, that's in the the near term the long term um Ted, do you want to touch on the stake for services?
0: Yeah, so our initial launch here, so probably in the next month or so, it's a a little bit of a a loose date, but when we launch, our our product will have the ability to, one, students can apply and search out scholarships. Um, That's already built out, obviously carrying a lot of those assets over from Web2, but on the fun part, um, donors will be able to come into our platform, create a fund or contribute to a fund. Uh, and then also manage some of the yields and vote on what students they want to shave it. So we'll have that full working MVP. Um, As the year progresses, we plan on adding a lot of different things. One, um, some really exciting gamified elements. So, you know, gamified giving, how do we have some of those competitive parts? And um, one, it's a great opportunity to scale our platform to make the the giving more uh, exciting and more actionable. And then the last part that Ben mentioned is what we call stake for service. And this revolves around um, student facing content. So I know you had mentioned that a lot of the you know the students you engage with either kind of have that financial roadblock in front of them, and that's something we've acknowledged. Is that someone coming onto a platform seeking out scholarships likely doesn't want to pay for content? They don't want to pay for some of this. There's a reason they're coming for scholarships. Um, part of our token e- economy is what we call stake for service. So instead of paying your 9.99 a month for access to Netflix to get content, you would stake an equivalent amount of our token, and that kind of unlocks uh, a number of different content. So one is going to be kind of this Web3 101 and a lot of these different Web3 education platforms. Um, but we, li- we like to tokenize, you know, call it as the paywall that pays you. So instead of paying that money, you're staking it, which, you know, up front, it, you bear that cost, but you're also earning yield on it by staking it, but getting access to the content. It benefits our ecosystem, of course, by, you know, decreasing that circulating supply. But it's kind of that, that intermediary step where students can get access to content, um, but still kind of not put themselves in a financial hard spot. So we're excited for what that means, excited for the, you know, to engage different donors and different partners in different ways. But, um, you know, our platform it has got to start small and scale quick is kind of the idea.
1: Absolutely. Um, do you guys have a community on Telegram or Discord or elsewhere?
0: Yeah. So the best way to find us um, right now, our Twitter is probably the most active. So um, Scholar.io. Um, mm-hmm. Reminder that the, the O is a zero uh, in basically all of our content. And we do have a Discord community. It's it's small, but growing. So, you know, welcome to join us on there. It's by the same name. And all those links will also be on our uh, Twitter. And Instagram, I believe, is by the same name. So, you know, we're on basically all the socials. Still growing, though. So if you get there and there's a, you know, a, you're, you'll be an early adopter in some of those community style spaces. So
1: Yeah, I thought that was an O at first, too. I was like, that's a big-ass O. And then I realized it was a zero <laughs> and I was punching it in. <laughs> the idea that's is awesome. to take...
0: Student debt to zero was the idea with that I know it's a, you know, a little bit of a branding challenge sometimes, but we're, uh, we're, we're, rolling forward.
1: Yeah. If I can make a suggestion, you should take the O and you should put like a slash through the O so they know it's a, a zero and not an actual O.
0: Smart. Um, yes. There's
1: only a confusing thing about it. Um, but it, other than that, I mean, I think for search results, maybe SEO and stuff like that, that might be helpful when people are looking to know somehow that that's a zero. Sure. Um, yeah. But other than that, I really like it. I like the platform, I like what you guys are doing. Um guys, go check out Ben and Theodore. Do you guys have social media as well? I know you guys got LinkedIn.
0: Yep. Yeah, so LinkedIn, happy for that. And I, we're both on Twitter. Um, I believe you know I'm fully doxed on there. So it's just my name, cool. Ted Zippoy.
2: Yeah, and uh my Twitter is Ben Hodlin, H O D L I N. So
0: yeah, connect with us there and we're excited. Anyone that hears the project, maybe, you know, we're always open for suggestions, collaborations, anything like that. So you yeah. know, here's the mission or ethos, check it out. And of course, to, to learn more, read the white paper and everything end-to-end. It's scholar with a zero.io.
1: Perfect. Guys, go follow the docs mm-hmm. version of Ben and Theodore online and check out Scholar with um a zero.io. And uh, guys, thanks for coming on. Really do appreciate it. Um, really good information, really cool use case and what you guys are doing with blockchain i've been waiting for something like this for a long time so very excited for you guys so best of luck
0: awesome perfect Thank
2: you. thanks for having us
1: anytime anytime all right take care guys enjoy your monday talk soon Thank all you. right talk take soon. care bye